The following sermon is by our senior pastor, Grant Castleberry of Capital Community Church, located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Capital Community Church is a people awakened to a holy God. If you are searching for a new church home, or from out of town looking for a church to worship with, or simply seeking for answers, please join us for worship at 9 o'clock a.m. every Sunday morning. If you have any questions, please email us at info at We pray this sermon will help you grow deeper in your walk with Jesus Christ. Well, it's now time to study God's Word together. I invite you to grab a Bible. Maybe you're sitting at the coffee table this morning or um, in your living room. Uh, grab a Bible, and I want you to open to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. And uh, what I want to do this morning is, instead of teaching John 5, which I want to do when we all get back together, because it's such an important message, and I don't think that we can do it justice uh, just via the camera. What I want to do this morning is do something very basic for you, and it's more teaching than it is a sermon. And I just want to speak to you from my heart on the basics of discipleship and what we really need to be doing. This is really the blocking and tackling of discipleship, the pitching and, and catching. These are the, the, the basics. And I really um, want you to know these basics and begin to implement them because these things are so important. One, uh, for your own spiritual life, that you know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, which if you are a Christian, by the way, you are. And also for the life of this church, because what we want in this church are disciples uh, who are growing in the Lord that are healthy disciples and then disciples that are making other disciples. Because, and this is what I want to point your attention to, uh, look at Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus calls us, calls you and me, to make disciples. He says this, um, in verse, let me look at verse 18. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, when we hear that word disciples, uh, we immediately think of a religious connotation, uh, either a disciple of Christ or maybe a disciple in some cult. Uh, but a disciple, uh, the Greek word is mathetes, it just means a follower. Um, many of the rabbis in Jesus's and the Apostle Paul's day uh, had followers or disciples. That was a, that was a common thing for a disciple to, to follow their, their teacher, their rabbi. And Jesus, likewise, as a, as a teacher, called men and women to follow him as his disciples. Now, here's the thing. In Christianity, every single believer is called to be a disciple, and every disciple is called to be a believer. You can't be a Christian and not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let me show you this. If you would turn to the right, uh, two books, to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 23. So Luke 9, 23, listen to what Jesus says. He said, to, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross daily and follow me. Do you hear that language of discipleship? Following, following him, be, learn from me. Then he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or loses or forfeits his own soul? So here's the point that Jesus is making, is that saving faith, true faith, is the type of faith that propels you to follow Christ. Uh, if, if you just have a mere intellectual type of faith in the Lord, but that faith uh, doesn't propel you to follow Christ, it's not saving faith. Uh, even the demons have that type of faith. Uh, lots of people showing up uh, in churches uh, across the country have that type of faith, but they don't have the type of faith that propels them to follow Christ with their lives. And that, my friends, is saving faith. That's true faith. Faith that calls you, as Jesus says, to deny yourself. That means to deny all your works that you were trying to do to earn God's favor, to, to repent of your sin and take up your cross daily. That means being willing to die for the sake of Christ. That basically means giving your life, being willing to give your life for the sake of Christ and following him. And that's the type of faith that Jesus demands. And that's the type of faith that saves. And that's why we say that every Christian is a disciple because every Christian is on this path of following Christ. So what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? How do you know if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ? Um, what's the DNA of a disciple? In a word, it's Christ-likeness. A disciple looks like his or her, her master. You are to look like Christ. I remember I played in this basketball league in Dallas growing up, just an AAU league, and our team was a Christian team. Go imagine that. And we had these practice shirts made, and on the practice shirt was a was a blue square, and in, in the middle of the blue square it just read, Be like Christ. Be like Christ. And that's the idea of a disciple. A disciple becomes like their master. It's Christ-likeness. That means that you think the way Jesus thinks. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, he says, we as believers have the mind of Christ. Have you ever thought about that? That as a believer, you're beginning to think and view the world the way that Jesus viewed the world. Uh, that's why Jesus said in John 8.32, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What truth? The truth that he knew the truth that he walked in, the truth that changed uh, the world and the truth that he taught. He is the truth. And our minds are being renewed in the truth. And we think the way he thinks. We also do the things that he does. Uh, we worship God. We love God. We love other believers. We're willing to lay down our life uh, for other believers. We walk in purity and holiness the way that he did. Of course, not perfectly. Jesus walked perfectly. Jesus was without sin. Uh, we stumble in many ways, but yet we are called, as Peter says, 1 Peter 1.21, to be holy as he is holy. We are walking in holiness as our master walked in holiness. 
So Christ-likeness, that's what it means. That's the DNA of a disciple is that, is that we look like Christ. So how does this happen, right? If we're talking about discipleship, making disciples, how does this happen? How do we make people look like Christ? Now, here's the thing. This only can happen as a miraculous work of God through an encounter with Christ himself, an encounter with God himself. You see, we can't just, you know, as Americans, we want a list, a 12-step program. Uh, we want to be able to, to uh, pull this off and say, hey, we're going to make this many disciples. But discipleship uh, involves a supernatural work of God. And so what our job is, is to get people to encounter God. Let me, let me just give you a few examples. Think about, uh, for, for example, Moses. Uh, before Moses is this incredible prophet of God leading the children into Israel, what happens first? An encounter with God at the burning bush. And God says, take off your sandals for you're on holy ground. Before Joshua leads the children of Israel to march around Jericho seven times, what happens? He crosses over the Jordan River and he encounters the captain of the army of the Lord, which is Jesus himself. And again, the, the, the Lord says, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. And it was that encounter that gave Joshua the courage and the strength to go forward in leadership of the children of Israel. Think about Isaiah. What happens before Isaiah begins to prophesy to the people and to, to enter the, the king's court? What happens to him? He encounters the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah dies, he says he, he saw the Lord in the throne room of God. And he says, woe is me because I am a sinful man. I'm a man of unclean lips and a man of unclean people. And he needed that encounter with the Lord to change him. Think about Peter, when he was on that boat with the Lord Jesus in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and the storm comes up, and they wake Jesus up, and Jesus comes and rebukes the storm and, and calls the, the waters in the storm to be still. Do you remember Peter's response? He just looked at the Lord Jesus in awe and said, depart from me, Lord, depart from me, I, I am a sinner because he realized in that moment the Lord Jesus's holiness. The woman at the well, we studied that a few months ago in, in John 4. She, she's, you know, been with uh, six men, and now she's on her seventh. She's not, she's not a disciple, but it's that encounter with Christ that changes her, and she believes in him, and she trusts him, and then she goes and she tells uh, the village in Sychar, she, goes, she says, come, come see the man who told me everything that I've ever done. It's this encounter with Christ. And so that's why if you notice in the bulletin and other places on the website, we've begun using this catchphrase, uh, Capital Community Church is a people awakened to a holy God. A people awakened to a holy God. It's this encounter with Christ that we've had, which changes us from the inside out. And then that propels us as a disciple to go make more disciples. 
You know, before we want you to be busy doing, we want you to be busy being, being changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and one of the, you know, Paul understood this really well. I want you to turn to the right again to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians three eighteen. This is what Paul says. This is one of the most remarkable verses in the New Testament, I think, about how this transformation takes place. So 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit." So he says, look, we're, we're beholding the glory of the Lord. That's the character of Christ. We're beholding him. And through beholding him, he says, we are being transformed into his image. What's that? Christ-likeness. That's what we've been talking about. That's what it looks like to be a disciple. And, and this process of transformation is taking place by degrees. It's not, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, John Wesley used to teach that you could become perfected, that, that you could reach the state of perfection. No, it's not going to happen uh, in this life for us. No matter how hard you try, we're still going to be battling the old man, our sinful nature, but we are involved in this process of sanctification, of being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And this comes, he says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the Lord. As we look at Christ, the Holy Spirit is transforming us incrementally more and more and more into his image. So that's how this takes place. So the question is, how do we get to Christ? If this is how we make disciples, uh, by seeing him, who are awakened to a holy Christ, to a holy God, uh, this is how we're transformed. How does this take place in your life? What, what can we do in order for God to do, to put ourselves in a position for God to do this work in our lives? Um, how can we go about making disciples? After all, isn't that what Jesus said, that we are to go out and make disciples? Now, there's five things that we see Jesus doing with his disciples that we see uh, the apostles doing. There's five things that we see over and over and over again in the New Testament that are used in making disciples. And those things are scripture, prayer, fellowship. Um, what's the fourth one? Scripture, prayer, fellowship, worship, and making disciples. Now, you can tell I had trouble remembering all five of them. I would think you probably are going to have trouble remembering all five of them. How are you going to remember all five of these things? If this is what Jesus did and this is what uh, Paul did, how are we going to remember these? Well, I have a mnemonic device for you. This may sound silly, but I think it will help. It's this, saved people follow the worthy man. Saved people follow the worthy man. Now in your home right now, wherever you are, I just want you to look at the people next to you and say, saved people follow the worthy man. Go ahead.
Now, the S, saved, stands for scriptures. People, the P, stands for prayer. The F in follow stands for fellowship. The W in worthy stands for worship. And the M in man uh, stands for either mission or making disciples. So you could, whichever one you want to use, mission or making disciples. Uh, Those are the five things that Jesus did with his disciples in order to conform them to his image, to uh, the image of Christ. So I just want to look at these very briefly. So the S is what? Scriptures. Scriptures. Save people, follow the worthy man. Scriptures. Uh, Colossians 1, 28 and 29 is an important text in this regard. Um, If you turn to the right to uh, the book of Colossians, it's after Philippians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Paul says, Him we proclaim, the Him being Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So there it is, that, that maturity, that, that, that growth in Christ. He says, for this I toil. This is what I'm toiling. This is what I'm working towards, struggling with all his energy, the energy that God gives me, that he powerfully works within me. Now, if you notice verse 28, he says, him we proclaim. It's we're lifting up Christ. We're lifting Christ up like a diamond and say, and we're saying, look at him because he is the one that's transforming people's lives. And he, and he says, we're warning people. We're warning people about their present conduct and their, and their life without Christ. We're saying, look, here's you, and here's your life of sin and rebellion, and that's gonna end up in judgment. But yet here's Christ, a great savior, and consider what he's done, that he came and lived a perfect righteous life and sacrificed his life on the cross for sinners. It's warning people and then teaching everyone what Christ has done with all wisdom. And this is for the unbeliever, and the believer. The believer needs to keep hearing this. The believer needs to keep hearing Christ and being pointed to Christ. I need Christ every day, if not more than I did the day before. We all need Christ and him crucified daily. That's why Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow after me. We need Christ daily, his righteousness daily, his forgiveness daily. We can't get enough Christ. We can't proclaim him enough in the scriptures. And so our goal in the scriptures is to get to Christ and to understand who he is and to see him because that's when our transformation takes place. So when you're studying the Bible, don't just be looking for leadership principles or ethical principles. Those are important, and and you should be looking for those. But most importantly, be looking for Christ, to see him and to be changed by him and transformed by him. And this is what Jesus did with his uh, disciples. I'm not going to have you turn there, but uh, after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus was walking on the road with several of the disciples, and they didn't recognize who he was. And this is um, what Jesus did. 
uh, Luke records, he said to them, this is Luke 24, 44. He says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, what the scriptures were saying about him. And this is why it's so important, several things in your life by means of application. One, that you're daily reading and studying your Bible. Uh, We are the most blessed people uh, in the history of this planet in that we have been given individual copies of God's word written in our own language. And, And not just many of us have multiple copies of God's word with explanatory notes at the bottom. So we have no excuse not to understand the word of God and understand how all of it points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, secondly, by means of application, this is why it's so important for us to sit under the preached word of God. It is so important to come. And I know we're not doing this this morning. You're sitting there on your couch or wherever, but it's so important for us to come together and sit under the word of Christ proclaimed because it is in that that Christ especially ministers to us through his word. And we see Christ in ways that we've never seen him before uh, through the preached scriptures. Uh, The most important aspect of preaching is not the head knowledge that you're getting, uh, believe it or not. I know we're very intentional about understanding and, and learning and all of that's important. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're taking notes and that you enjoy taking notes, but the taking notes isn't the most important thing. In fact, the most important thing happens when you stop taking notes and when you're transfixed by Christ and you're just blown away by his presence. That's the most important part of the sermon. When you see Christ and you're changed by him, And so that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to get, as you're discipling people, you're trying to get people into the scriptures, show them Christ so that that way they can be changed by seeing him. So save people, follow the worthy man. So we've done the S, now we're to the P. The P, remember, is prayer. Uh, People is prayer. Um, Out of all the things that Jesus could have taught his disciples, I think it's really striking that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Uh, They said, Lord, teach us to pray the way that you do. And they asked him that question because his prayer life was so remarkable. He would go off in the early morning hours and leave the disciples behind and go and pray and commune with God. And that's really the essence of what prayer is. You know, we think of prayer, it's like, okay, well, I just go and give my request to God and I give it up and it's a transaction. Well, it's much more than that. It's communing with God. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray to God as who? Our Father. You see, it's a relational conversation. It's not just, Lord, these are the requests that I have. Uh, Can you do them like he's a genie? No, it's a communion with God. It's spending time with him and getting to know him and and giving these requests to him and, and relying on him. The apostles understood this really well. Uh, In Acts chapter 6, when they were appointing the first deacons, uh, the apostles said, we need need, uh, 
diakonos. We need uh, table waiters to go and serve these widows because as apostles, we have to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And they said prayer first. We have to devote ourselves to prayer. And prayer is the means by which disciples are made. God works as a result, most often of the prayers of the saints. And so we pray, we commune with God, we become deeper disciples, and we pray for God to expand his kingdom in and through us and, and through, through our churches. And God works and, and chooses to work as a result of those prayers. And that's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. And, and that literally means that every single thing that we do is to be bathed and clothed in prayer. So you get up in the morning, first thing, pray, God, would you please help me today to honor you, to, to walk in purity, to, to evangelize lost people that I encounter, to have these conversations, to, to do my best to be a man or a woman of integrity, uh, to be a good mom or dad. Then go eat breakfast. After breakfast, pray, God, will you help me for this next thing? Will you help me in this meeting that I'm about to have? Will you guide me and give me wisdom in this conversation? Then have the meeting. Then after the meeting, pray. Everything is by, by prayer. And, and this is, like I said, how God's kingdom begins to expand. I think about the uh, 1857 revival uh, that began in New York City. It began very simply with just several businessmen deciding that they were going to meet together in the lunch hour and pray. And they just got together and they just started praying. And day by day, people started to join them until there were hundreds and then thousands billowing out into the streets. And then it just, it went from New York all up and down the Eastern seaboard. And, and then it went over to, to Wales and to, to Scotland and, and, and places uh, all over the earth. And it happened as a result of men simply getting together to pray. And when you pray, then you can begin to watch and wait for God's work of disciple making to happen. I heard a story about Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He would, when he was an older man, would travel uh, around England, around Wales, around Scotland, and he would just drop in into these little churches. Can you imagine being a, a young preacher and, and getting up to preach your message and then have seen Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, standing there in the back? I know I would be pretty intimidated uh, if he were here right now, especially doing something on live stream. He hated cameras. But can you imagine how intimidating that would be? And uh, one young pastor asked Dr. Lloyd-Jones why he was doing this. Why are you going around listening to us young guys preach? And he said, because I've been praying to the Lord that he would raise up the next generation of preachers. And now I'm going out to find out who they are. I'm going out to find out who the Lord is raising up. So we pray and then we expect God to do great things because we're praying in faith. So that's the P, save people, follow the worthy man. Follow is what? Fellowship. Fellowship. The Greek word is koinonia. It means a spiritual coming together. It's the family of faith. It's the, the communal aspect of, of Christianity. And that this is 
this has been what is unique about uh, Judaism, which is Christianity in the Old Testament and, and in the New Testament church, is uh, Christianity has always been a religion of fellowship, whereas uh, so many of these other religions that existed before, all these cults and, and all these Hittite and Philistine gods that people were worshiping in the ancient world, none of those were communal religions where people would worship together and spend time together um, praising God and encouraging one another. Um, they, they were individual religions. You would come to the temple, you would do your sacrifice by yourself, and then you would leave. But Christianity from the very beginning, like Judaism before, has always been a coming together, um, a, a coming together to praise God, to live life with one another. And again, Jesus modeled this. Uh, Jesus lived uh, life with his disciples uh, for three years, and he called men to live with him and to follow him and, and to do life with him. He says in Matthew eight twenty, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was always living in close proximity uh, with other believers, with Peter, James, and John, and then the 12, and then the, the 70, and so on and so forth. He, he had this community, and then he uh, modeled this community, and he exhorted us, his disciples, to live and to walk in this community. And this is really important, I think, for us to think about, especially in this live stream COVID era, where we're so used to being just kind of uh, couch potato Christians where we can do everything, you know, our Bible's right there on the coffee table and, and our Christian books are right there and, and we, we can watch anything we want to on YouTube or whatever right from our television screens. It's so tempting just to be kind of isolated Christians. I can just do it all on my own. But that's not the New Testament model at all. The New Testament model is you using your spiritual gifts and encouraging other believers in the life of the church, uh, practicing the, the 58 one another's that are mentioned in the New Testament and allowing other people to use their spiritual gifts to minister to you. Uh, we need this encouragement. Paul says in Romans 1.11, he says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. We need this mutual encouragement. And I would encourage you to really be intentional about getting plugged in and involved in your life class. Uh, this is where fellowship takes place at Capital. You really can't grow as a true disciple of Jesus Christ if you're not sharpening iron with other believers. And so I would encourage you to, to get plugged in. Don't just leave after the service on Sunday mornings. Go to life class and be around other believers. Go grab lunch with them or, or dinner with them one night and, and get to know other Christians and mutually encourage one another as Paul is talking about, sharing your faith with them. And I promise uh, their faith will encourage you as well. So that's the F, saved people follow the worthy man. Uh, worthy, the W is for worship. And I know we've talked about this a lot um, uh, over the past few months. Uh, we did a whole series on worship from John chapter four. So I'd encourage you if you want to really dig down deep and study uh, how Jesus modeled worship and what Jesus taught on worship, it's all there that you can go uh, look at. 
but worship. Uh, the Greek word that's used, that Jesus uses in John 4 is proskunio, and it means to get on your face before the Lord and to show that, that you honor him and that he is heavy and weighty in your life and to bow down before him. And it's that posture that indicates our true position before the Lord, that we live our lives, uh, symbolically speaking, in that posture. Not that we're walking around like this, but that we live with the weightiness of who God is, where everything that we do, we're trying to worship and honor him. And this is what Jesus did throughout, throughout the entire course of his life. All of it, every single second, was for the honor and glory of God. Jesus says in John 8, 49, I, to, this is to the Pharisees who accused him of having a demon. He says, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. I honor my father in every single thing that I do. I am a worshiper. I, I worship him in everything. And likewise, this is what he taught his disciples to do. He, he taught his disciples to, to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength, to do it in the little things daily and also to, to worship and honor the Lord uh, on the Sabbath day. So he would go to the synagogues. He was constantly teaching in the synagogues. What were they doing in the synagogues? They were worshiping God. Jesus would, would lead his disciples down into Jerusalem to the feast. What were they doing there? They were there to worship and honor God. See, Jesus was modeling this aspect of worship for his disciples. And interestingly enough, when we first crafted uh, the mission statement of Capital, which which reads, uh, we glorify God by making disciples through the scriptures, prayer, community, gospel mission, uh, community, you could be fellowship. But you'll notice we left off worship. And uh, the reason for that is, you know, if you look at some of the navigators materials, which we were studying, um, they left it off. It was an oversight on their part and my part, our part. Uh, worship was left out. And I think that's because of this Lone Ranger mentality that we have as American Christians that we don't need to gather with other believers and, and honor the Lord and worship him. But all of this is central uh, to who we are as believers, that we are a worshiping people. And, and this is where, remember, we talk about encountering Christ and being awakened to a holy God. That happens most frequently in worship services and prayer meetings. That's when it happens. So if you, if you really want to have that spiritual experience of encountering the living, living Christ, come to worship services on the Lord's day. Come to the prayer services that we have on uh, the first Sunday evening of the month. And I promise you that you will encounter Christ in fresh and very real ways because he is present with us. He promises to be present with us and he is present with us uh, through our worship. So that's the W, uh, saved people follow the worthy man. And last but not least, in fact, this, this is uh, the, the, one of the most critical uh, elements of discipleship and making disciples is the last one, and that's mission and making disciples. This is the replication process. And this takes us all the way back to Matthew uh, 28, 19, and 20. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, go therefore into all the world making disciples. We are charged 
with this process of replication. So, so we're called to be faithful disciples, and then we're called to make more disciples. We are called to go out and replicate, to reproduce. In, in Texas, there's a uh, saying that, that Tommy Nelson uses regarding discipleship. He says, we are to be stallions, not mules. Now, if you know anything about agriculture, you know mules do not reproduce. They work hard. They can do a lot of uh, labor for you around the farm, but they aren't going to have any colts or foals. Uh, you need a stallion for that. And so what we want is a church full of stallions. We want people that are making other disciples, that are reproducing, that have spiritual children. As Dawson Troutman used to say, he would ask you, you know, who are your spiritual children? Who have you led to the Lord? Who have, what disciples have you made and how have you uh, nurtured them in the faith? Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.22, listen to the passion that he has. He says, I have become all things to all people that I might save some. In other words, he became a servant to all. He, he became a servant to everyone he could in order that he might win them to Christ so that they might become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that should be our mentality, that we should have a fever pitch desire to make disciples, to see men and women, boys and girls come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and become a follower of him and then teach them to observe, as Jesus says, everything that he has commanded them. This should consume us. This should be our passion. I was reading about uh, a man named William Chalmers Burns. And this man was uh, an athlete. He, he was an exceptional athlete. He was a big guy. And as a young man, uh, the Lord really began to u- use him in exceptional ways in Scotland. And he uh, led the church he was pastoring to begin to pray and to pray for a mighty work of God. And God began to, to, to speak through him in really remarkable and powerful ways and used this man to, to bring revival to Scotland in 1839. And the churches just begin to fill up um, because of the preaching of this man, uh, William Chalmers Burns. And you'd think that somebody that saw such success and, and such fame at a young age would be content to rest on those laurels or maybe just to get comfortable and just live um, you know, a, a comfortable life there in Scotland uh, as a well-known preacher and evangelist. But this man had a burning passion to continue to make disciples. And he left that pastorate and he went all the way to China. And he began to, to learn the language and uh, to, to make disciples and preach the gospel in China where Christ had not been named. And guess who he met while he was over in China? He met a young man named Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor. And William Burns, this great preacher, this great evangelist, uh, in the words of Hudson Taylor, uh, became Hudson Taylor's spiritual father. And he discipled Hudson Taylor there in China in uh, gospel preaching 
and uh, evangelism and all these things. And they, they had an incredible ministry there together. Uh, of course, Hudson Taylor starting the, the China Inland Mission. So replication, making disciples. And, and this is what I want your passion to be. So I want you to think right now to yourself, what is, or I should say who, who is the one person that you are praying to evangelize or trying to evangelize right now, or the believer that you are discipling right now, teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded? Who is that person? I want you on, if you have a sheet of paper nearby, I want you to write that person's name down. This is the person that the Lord has put on your heart to bring the gospel to, or the believer that you want to see grow further in the Lord to disciple. Okay, so maybe some of you didn't write a name down, and, and, or you couldn't think of a name, or had trouble thinking of a name. And that could be for one of two reasons. It could be, first, it could be because you need to get busy and start making disciples, and, and you haven't been doing a, a good job of evangelizing. That could be the reason. Or secondly, it could be that you yourself have never been discipled. And you realize at, at listening to this that you need somebody to, to show you what it means to look like Christ. That you need someone to, to model what it means to be Christ-like. Paul said in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So it might be that you need to, to, to get around somebody and say, hey, look, I need you to show me what it looks like to follow Christ. How do you study the scriptures? How do you pray? Uh, what do you do in terms of fellowship with other believers? How do you worship? Uh, you know, how do you worship throughout the course of your week? Uh, how is the Lord's Day worship a priority for you? And then how do you evangelize? What, what techniques or strategies do, do you use? Uh, you know, how do you answer these tough uh, apologetic questions when somebody says, you know, what do you think about the Big Bang or Big Bang? Or, you know, what do you think about evolution? Or, or what do you think? Did, did Jesus Christ literally, physically rise from the dead? How do you answer these questions? Well, get around that person and, and, and see how they answer them and, and ask them those things and they'll show you. And then you're going to begin to grow as you follow that person. And then you're going to look up in a few months, maybe a year, and you're going to be ready. And you're going to look around yourself and you're going to say, hey, there's somebody that I can uh, proclaim Christ to, that I can bring the gospel to. There's a young believer that, you know, I'm a little bit farther along than they are right now. And I, I can talk to them and say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. We want to be a disciple-making church filled with Christ-like disciples. Saved people follow the worthy man. So let's pray towards that end and, and begin to put these principles into practice. Remember, the goal is to be like Christ, Christ-likeness, to encounter him. But it's these principles that we put in place in order to do that, in order to help other people to encounter him as well. So with that, let's pray and seek the Lord to this end. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for this work of discipleship that you've given us, that you've called us to make disciples, uh, to make followers of you. And of course, we know, Lord, that this is uh, a work that you do as well, that you've called us to cooperate in this work, that that a encounter with you is necessary in order for a disciple to truly be made. But our prayer is, Lord, that we would be bringing people to you, that we would be bringing ourselves to you and humbling ourselves before you so that we can encounter you, that we can be changed, and so other people can be changed, all into your likeness and all for your glory. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more sermons, information, and events, check out our website at capitalcommunitychurch.com.